0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Posh Report podcast. A little bit different today, so I've not got a Portsmouth fan. Today I'm joined by Nathan Brown, Peterborough fan. How are you doing, Nathan?
1: I'm good, thank you.
0: Yeah, doing very well, thanks. Um, despite, despite Posh doing their best to, <laughs> to ruin my moods every, every weekend and, and, most, <laughs> and most midweeks as well. Um a yeah. little bit different today, so we don't have a Portsmouth fan on. So we're gonna take we're gonna talk about the game first up, then we're gonna take a slightly broader look at the season as a whole today. Uh, where POSH are going wrong and, and, and what they should hopefully be doing uh, looking to do to turn that around. Um but as I said, as as we always do, we'll start off with the game the game yesterday. So so how did you see it, Nathan? What was your thoughts on the game before before I say mine?
1: Um I think first off we we weren't poor by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't think we really sort of got at them. I don't think we really, you know, came out of the blocks. It was kind of a sort of attritional game of the of first half, really, where we probably evened ourselves out, both teams. Um, I, we did have a couple of chances that I think maybe we could have taken, um, but we did also look maybe a little bit sloppy in possession again, which is a bit of a worry. And then second half, I just think we, again, we didn't come out didn't seem to, to offer very much. Um, when you look at the defending for the first goal, it's just poor. There's a couple of men, if, if I remember rightly, that that could have got onto the end of that cross, you know, free run, which again, is really, really worrying and, and set plays. We're not defending particularly well. And then I suppose the second goal, we should really get players out to out to him, but he's really hit an absolutely incredible strike. So I suppose you've got to give credit to the player rather than, you know, Hammering the defense, but I do think the midfield um, should have got out and tried to defend, defend that um, and stop the shot. But yeah, I just think second half poor again. Um, it seems to be that maybe second half we just don't get going regularly, and it, you know if we don't sort of come a, get ahead in in the first half, then then we tend to not win, and, and that's a bit of a worry for me.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think the the difference between first and second half was noticeable, so. So first half, there were a total five shots in the game, uh, Pompeo yeah. had two, Posh had three. It was, I really enjoyed the first half. It was great to have fans back in the ground. And, and the fans made a difference because that tempo and that intensity was mm-hmm. there. And, and Portsmouth were always going to bring that. They're always going to work hard. And with the fans there, probably gives them, how do you quantify it, 10%, 20% more. But you yeah. saw that in the game. It looked completely different, I thought, to any game we've seen this season. And there was no time and space in the ball in midfield. Both teams at about a seventy percent pass accuracy because it was difficult to to, to build yeah. anything really. Um, I thought Posh did a really good job of 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 matching Pompey in that first half without ever really creating anything because the Posh's Posh's one good chance in the first half was that that Dembélé one v one. Yeah, and again that was just that was just a that was just a mistake from from Watmore, um, uh, who should have really cleared the ball. Watching that back, what I noticed on that frustratingly was Dembele just doesn't gamble. Says so as Watmore goes to clear the ball, he yeah. stops. And if he gambles, I think he gets he gets in behind uh, yeah. Raggett a little bit further, isn't fresher quite as much, and that chance comes even better. Posh is only over two shots at half, where the Dembele and, and Jack Taylor shots from Ray, yeah. both in the first 15 minutes. And that was kind of the issue. Posh had very little possession or ball in the final third. And when they do get possession in the final third, they just shoot from range. And the Dembele mm. shot, he's got, he's got Schmodix making a good run who can slide in. And it's getting a little bit farcical now for me how many times Dembele has Schmodix making a run and isn't passing it to him. Um, yeah. And I think the frustration there is starting, starting to seep in. As you say, That that second half got a lot worse very quickly. Um, so yeah. we said, we said Posh only the two shots in the first half, 10 shots in the second half. Um, I'm going to, I want to focus a little bit on that 15 minutes. So that, that 15 minute spell after the, after the second half, how did you, how did you see that Nathan? Um,
1: it just seemed that we weren't really kind of controlling the game. We weren't really the, the ones that were, you know, trying to make the the forward pass. We weren't the, the side that was on the front foot. Um, and then obviously, with with that, we're very much a side that has to have the ball that needs to be in control of the, the game and, and have the possession and, and be on the front foot. And I think we look infinitely weaker when when we're not the side that's doing that. And obviously, you know, when you're going away to Pompey, you know that you're not going to have quite as much of the possession. So I'm, I'm surprised that, that maybe we didn't set up with a, a way of trying to nullify Portsmouth um, and the way that they play rather than just... It, we didn't really seem to have a game plan. That's how it looked to me, um, which is probably infinitely even more worrying. So, yeah, I think we we just didn't come out of the blocks again um, in in the second half, and and that's probably why we lost the game. I think whatever Fergie said at half time has just not really either stayed with the players or, they, or they've not implemented it, um, and that's you know ultimately why the the game has shifted in into Portsmouth's favour and, and why they've gone on and probably got the result.
0: Yeah, I think that not having the plan to nullify Portsmouth is a really interesting point because you know what Pompey do—they either play four-four-two or four-two-three-one. But regardless yeah. of what they're playing, they've got really strong wide men. Um, they've got good overlapping centre backs. They get the ball yeah. wide. They exploit wide areas, and and they try and kill you, and they try and beat you out there. And yesterday, you got Harness and Ronan Curtis out wide, and Brown and Johnson overlapping them. Four really, really good League 1 players. Curtis and Harness, way above League 1 level, in my opinion. Yeah. Will be playing championship football very soon. Harness, potentially even high. He's got really nice technical ability. And so, naturally, to cope with that, posh set up in a diamond, right? So you've got a yeah. team who want to play wide. You've got a team who want to attack wide. And then you play the narrowest formation you can possibly play and give yeah. them all the space out wide. And in fairness, I thought first half, I thought Hamilton and Taylor and the fullbacks did a pretty good job of nullifying them. Taylor and Hamilton covered an awful lot of ground, worked yeah. incredibly hard, came, got you know covered, covered the ground out to Curtis and out to and out to and out to Harness, and and made sure that the fullbacks weren't outnumbered by Brown and Johnson getting forwards, and we we matched them. But I always felt we were just working to match them. And as the half went on, Portsmouth was starting to get more crossing opportunities, starting to get mm. in behind a little bit more. But then second yeah. half for that fifteen minutes just didn't do it. Got completely overrun the two v ones. And five minutes in, I was screaming at my TV just to change it. Like not necessarily yeah. personnel, but maybe drop into a four four two, and put Hamilton and Taylor Taylor wider from from the start. Uh, pull Schmodix back into into a central midfield role, or even a four four one one. Maybe put Dembele on on the left hand side, and. Yeah. And he just didn't do it, and we just get an overrun, and overrun, and overrun, and then the the goals were just almost almost inevitable. Um, mm. That that first goal, you you, t- you touched on it, and you touched on the the marking inside the box, and I'll, I'll get onto that marking inside the box. Yeah. But if you if you go back further than that, it starts with Blake Tracy having possession in their final third, and as I said, mm. Posh barely got into final third, and and when they did, he's had to cut back. He's not got anyone. Yeah. Over, overlapping and usually you'd see maybe Dembele or Schmodik's put putting wide he's not done that so he's had to turn back he's looked to play a pass to Reed, probably taken one too many touches played in a really bad pass Yeah. And then from that moment then Louis Reed has to make a tackle on uh, so even before that the ball goes forward and Ronan Curtis out jumps Kent in the air so yeah so Kent should not be losing an aerial battle to Curtis. Louis Reed then has a the chance to win, a, make a tackle on Williams, makes a really weak tackle, turns on his side, don't know what he's trying to do there. And then FBT's de- desperate to to make up for it, um, lunges in, gives away the free kick. You said yes. about the marking in the box. It's hard to tell because, yeah, it was great having multi-camera at Portsmouth, but for some reason the Portsmouth director felt he had to use every single camera every 30 seconds. So it's sort of like constantly chopping into close-ups and then the rain and then ah. Uh, um, and it was always, and there was lots of close-ups in the box for the camera. We never actually got a wide on the box. It looked to yeah. me really as though Beavers was meant to be picking at Watmore, who obviously mm. headed the, the goal in. Really good delivery, as most of the set pieces were from Portsmouth. And then be- um, Watmore just pulls pulls away from him at the at the back post. Ends up Beavers ends up underneath the ball. Watmore out jumps Kent and then and then and that's a fairly fair mismatch. The second goal, you said it yourself about the defence getting out. At that point, Posh had switched to the to the back three. Um yes. and looked much more solid, more organized. The issue with how Posh played that in the 5-2-3 is you only got two central midfielders. So you've got that you've got that space for the long range shots, which are gonna happen. Beavers is slow to get out of him. This is might sound harsh, but I've watched it back a number of times I'm questioning Pip, right? Yeah, I mean, it it does go right into the top
1: corner and obviously Tim's not the tallest.
0: Watch it back, Um, Nathan. It's not top corner. It's nowhere near near the top corner. I I encourage everyone to go and watch that goal back because it is hit really hard, but it's not into the roof of the net. And it's about two yards from the corner. So for me, Pim has an issue with long range shots in that he's slow to move his feet. And I, I watched it back and he sets his feet really narrow so as the shot comes in he then has to do a split jump to get wider which slows him down he doesn't get a step in he takes off his back foot rather than taking off his front foot so he doesn't get off the ground and mm-hmm. he goes with his bottom hand rather than with his top hand if if he if he gets one of those things right i think he saves it like yeah and and it's harsh because pim has been one of our best players this year but that that was a for me that was a really poor goal to concede from a, from a keeping point of view um People listening are probably going to think I'm absolutely mad. And I thought he'd gone top corner as well, but I watched it back about 10 times this morning to make sure I wasn't going crazy. Um, <laughs> and I encourage other people to do the same. Did you ever think Posh were going to get back into that game second half after they'd gone 2-0 down?
1: If I'm being 110% honest, maybe not. But then you also always know that if Posh can get a goal, then we are... <laughs> Usually, and by and large, this is true, but usually we we are one of those sides that I think we kind of put danger in other sides. So obviously if we get a goal back and we're stay 2-1 down, I think sides maybe fear that because we've done it so often before. Um, but if I'm being 110% honest, probably not. Um, I think what we're really suffering from now is the injuries to key players. And I think our wing-backs probably two of our key most key players. Um, injuries to those two players in Butler and, and in um, Joe Ward, I think that takes away so much of our attacking threat because I think when we do play with the wing-back system, you've got Joe Ward, who I think is a really, very, very, very good crosser of the ball. Um, and you've got Butler, who's you know, a natural left-footed wing-back, likes to get forward, can definitely shoot from distance, as we've seen quite a bit this season. I think that's that's where we're suffering from quite a lot. Is that we're not getting that attacking threat from wide areas, and obviously, as you say, you know the midfielders were were very very narrow um, in that second half, which obviously opened up the opportunities for them to take you know shots from distance. And I just think, yeah, that we just seem to have lost a massive aspect of our of our game and our kind of tactical um, makeup, and, and maybe that's why this run of form has, has kind of coincided with the fact that we have lost two of our our really really important players. Um, but again as as you said i think players have to get out to that that shot um and, and block it or at least you know prevent him from being able to take the shot um and as you say you know pims not the greatest at, at long shots um so really players you know you'd think that they'd, they'd be switched on to that um but he, he has hit a, a fairly decent effort and and again i think you've got to just applaud applaud the effort but at the same time, I think defensively we've got to look at ourselves and think, well, we've got to get out to that because, you know, it's a danger from distance. Um, they've got players that can score. Um, and, and he has hit a, a fantastic effort and and that's it's just a shame that the players didn't really, you know, switch on to that.
0: Yeah, I think I like, take in away, he's hit that ball really, really hard. Um interesting what you say about about tactically. So Going back to that 15 minute spell, which for me was the turning point when both yep. FBT and and Thompson got blocked and, and the first goal went in. I got book, sorry, the first goal went in. Uh, Fergie for me was was too slow to make a change and, yeah. and override that. So first half, Posh were played about 14% of their passes long, which is understandable. You're under a lot of pressure. Yeah. You know, you just you you've got Johnson Clark Harris, you're going long, you're staying competitive, you're staying in the game. That 15 minute spell that dropped to three percent. Just 3%, I think, one long pass, that whole spell. yeah. And you saw it because they were looking to play out through the midfield. And Posh, when they play out, they, take, they play out, if they're in the back three, to the wide centre-backs, into the wing-backs and into the half spaces, or they go direct into Clark Harris. And a number yeah. of times, and it happened in the first half as well, because the full-backs were pushed so far back by the wingers, when Posh got the ball, they didn't have that natural outlet out wide. Yeah. The fullbacks were slow to offer that and they didn't know where they were passing. And then they were given the ball away a lot, and Portsmouth were just completely overrunning it. Posh in midfield, getting the players wide really quickly, creating 2v1s and, and attacking that way. In terms of whether yeah. getting back in the game, so Posh's XG total in the game was 0.39, which is the yeah. worst of the season. They had seven shots. 0.33 of that xg came from the dembele 1v1 yeah so that means the combined over seven shots of the combined xg of 0.06 do you have a six shots <laughs> so you're <laughs> talking 0.0 <laughs> yeah and this is part and this for me is part of posh's issue is their decision making in the final third they're, they're getting into the final third less mm. and less and less but when they get into that final third they are shooting from distance and shooting and panicking from terrible situations rather than having the confidence which they had at the start of the season to build attacks. And part of that, I think, yeah. was formation because didn't have the wide areas. And when you're in the final third, you typically have to move the ball side to side uh, to sustain the attack. And the, But the first time I was watching, I was, I was waiting for the first time Posh made more than three or four passes in that final third and sustained the attack was a 70th minute. And, mm. and by that point, it was just it was just too late, and, and and a lot of that was due to Pompey sitting off, and a lot of that also due to due to the wing backs coming in. So, chance creation for Posh has been a real, real issue so far. Mm. Um, we spoke about the game there, so let's let's zoom out a little bit. Let's talk let's talk about Fergie for a bit, and then we'll touch yep. on the, the season as a whole. So, lots of fans calling for his head now. Where do you stand on that? Yep. Are you Fergie, and are you Fergie out?
1: Do you know what? Before the game, I was probably still Fergie in um, because I'm very much a give a manager a little bit of time before, you know, you you pull the plug on him. Um, And maybe obviously Fergie's been here for, what, two and a half years now again, um, coming up to that. But also at the same time, it is worrying the sudden dip of form that we've hit. And I do think some of those reasons are not his fault. Um, As I mentioned earlier with the injuries, you know. There's not a lot he can do about that. Um, Recruitment-wise, I think he recruited fairly well in the summer, so I don't think you can blame him too much on that. But also, at the same time, I think tactically, he's got it wrong quite regularly. Um, Especially, you know, I think going for a diamond for this game, I I don't think it worked. Um, Before the game, I thought, well, let's just see how it pans out. It may, you know, surprise me. Um, But in the end, I think system-wise, he's got to move away from either having a five at the back or or going with um, with the diamond because he seems so rigid in, in one or two of those formations. And I think, I know I mentioned to you earlier about maybe moving to a four three three. 3 I think that would be a system that would probably suit us quite well. It would mean we have a bit more solidity in, in the midfield because you'd have three midfielders rather than having, um, you know, a diamond where it, it is up to those two very central midfielders to kind of cover the, the wide areas. Um, whereas I think with a four-three-three, you can have two natural wingers in, as I mentioned to you, maybe Dembele, and then you mentioned having Smolov on on the right wing, having two wingers pushing up against an opposition's defence. I think that would slightly, you know, nullify the opposition in terms of playing out from the back. Potentially, it would afford us the opportunity to press higher, which again I don't think we've done quite so well in the last couple of weeks. Um, but to go back on Fergie, I think. I wouldn't say get get him out at the moment. I think um, maybe he needs a few more games just to see what happens there. Um, I think ultimately we wouldn't really be having this conversation if um, we didn't have hadn't had, had injuries. And I think also obviously with the way that last season ended, I think um, you know had what happened not happened. I think we would have you know the season would have continued and, and we probably would have been. Um, in in the championship this season but obviously that that's a completely another story um but i think yeah as i've said i think fergie maybe needs a couple more games just to see what happens but i think he will definitely be feeling the pressure and i think you saw that from his post-match um conference yesterday i, th- I was really surprised that at the way he kind of let his frustration out um and and it's a shame that he did that because i think that just puts him into you know more criticism um, but ultimately, I think he, he does need a couple of games longer. But I'm not—I I couldn't tell you whether you know the owners are going to make a decision on that. But I suspect he's going to be feeling the pressure. I suspect the owners are feeling some pressure, especially from the way that our fan base voices its opinions. So I suppose we'll just have to see. But my gut feeling is he's probably got a game or two to to try and turn it around. And if not, he may well go.
0: Yeah, I think I think you make some interesting points. I think. In terms of will he, won't he go? I'd be amazed if he went before the end of this month. I think January might be crunch in terms of if you're going to get rid of him, you're going to do it probably right at the start or before January and the new manager can maybe bring in one or two and and get out one or two potentially.
1: I mean, if you look at when managers have gone from us before, January, February time has been quite often if you think about it. I think Grant went, was it January or February? And Evans went I think it was February as well. I might be wrong. Pretty um, sure
0: Evan was the end of Jan because then yeah. Fergie managed to bring in one or
1: two. That's it, yeah. Um and I think Graham went in February, if I remember rightly. February, March time, maybe. I can't remember quite off the top of my head. But but yeah, it tends to be early in the year, doesn't it? So you might be right on that one. Um Yeah.
0: I think I think I think he won't go. I, I think the, the, the thing for me is is when you're thinking about should you get rid of him, it was worse this time last season. Like yeah. in terms of that that end of December, start of January, the yeah. performances were worse. The Diamond was clearly holding back the players and restricting yeah. the players. If we're going to play two or three games on, in the Diamond, I, I say get rid of him now.
1: <laughs> but yeah. I, don't,
0: I don't think he's going to do that. I don't, and, I, and I hope he won't. And And it's not been... It's not got to those levels where you can't see Posh yeah. turn it around. And he did turn it around. The question mark for me about when he turned it around last season is how much of that was to do with Fergie and how much of that was just... He was previously restricting the players. I have no doubt about that with his tactical yeah. instructions. Then switching to this back, back three of the wing-backs. But then, but then Tony... Being just an absolute talisman at the end of the season and getting yeah. the best out of Dembele and Schmodics, how much of that, how much of that change in form was to do with Fergie and how much of it was to do with Tony is a big question for me in terms of then whether you have the belief that he's gonna he's gonna uh, turn it around this side tactically. He, for me, he can't keep chopping and changing yeah. for no reason. And what I what I mean by that is if you look if you look at ignore the Chorley game. If you look at the last two league games, the Plymouth game played in the back three. Played really well in that game. Should have been absolutely out of sight. Should have probably yeah. won two or three nil. The Wimbledon game. Now, the Wimbledon game was an interesting one because the system was not the reason Posh lost that game. Yeah. Posh lost that game due to individual areas and due to a, a header clearance bouncing the wrong way in the box and, and is not picking at Yeah. And then when Posh changed that system and switched to the diamond for last, I think it was about 20 or so minutes, Posh looked much worse. Like they lost that structure, they lost that cohesiveness yeah. in their play, and it looks much less like getting in back in the game. And I know Clark Harris scored the free kick, but that wasn't a result of the system. That was a result of Clark Harris hitting a very good free kick and against yeah. a, a wall that was very poorly placed. So then, why do you change it to play against Portsmouth? And I think it's this issue you've got with Fergie whereby if you lose a game, he feels he has to change the system. But he doesn't do it for any tactical reason about what the opposition's doing, about what's happening on the pitch, or it's just it's just well that's not work. We have to change it to something else. Now, for me, when you've got games coming thick and fast, you have to go with the shape that gives you the best chance of winning the system that yeah. gives you the best chance of winning. You said four three three, and we'll talk a bit about that. But I don't think you've got time to start coaching a new system at this mm. stage of the season. For me, you play with the wing backs, and. The reason why I think you play with the wing backs is this season and last season that has been this formation. Posh have been defensively the most secure. Yeah. Their xG, their shots numbers are much lower when they play at the back three. So that gives you the that gives you a solid base to defend from. I, I accept that perhaps Ward isn't quite as good left wing back. Uh, uh, Broom is quite as good left wing back as Ward. I accept that. FBT is not quite as good at left wing back as Butler. Yeah. But I still think that is the structure that gives you the most solid base to build from. And now your question mark from there becomes how do you get your attacking players in the game? And I think um, you've got three options. You can stick with the three four one two, and build out through the wing backs and go into the uh, and play into Johnson Clark Harris and try and get Schmodix and and Debe involved around him. But I think if we're doing this, Posh have to, and you touched on this as well, have to press more. So last yeah. season, Posh's passes per defensive actions was at around nine, which is which is which is the sign of a high pressing team. This season, it's dropped, it's, it's risen to twelve, just over twelve. So yeah. Posh are not pressing high, they're not getting those turnovers, they're not getting possession in the opposition half. For me, they have to they have to go back to that. I'd also be tempted to try three four three. And like yeah. you said about having having those three wide attackers and pushing Schmodix onto the right wing, uh, the reason being I think he does his best work in the right channel. I think Dembele does his best work in the left channel. Yeah. Why not get them close to Clark Harris and then have the option of of creating overloads out wide and playing that way? The other option for me is if you're if you're worried about Schmodix's form, then perhaps yeah. then perhaps you um. You bring him out of the team and you go to a 3-5-2. And I think Posh had the players to do that because you could have maybe yeah. Taylor on one side of the midfield. You could have Brown on the other side and get Brown to have license to get forward and attack, which is something he did brilliantly at Forest Green and the way he uses the ball in the final third. We've not seen that Posh yeah. he's played much deeper. I'd love to see him play in that role and then have Hamilton or Reed as the, as the as the holding player behind them.
1: It's interesting you say that, because Hamilton just seems to have not really been given too much game time besides um, cup games. Um, And I remember the season before last, and then last season, he he was a really, really good midfielder in in, uh, the two sides that he was playing for. I think it was Bolton and uh, Rochdale. South
0: South Um, End last season.
1: South End, that was it, yeah. Um, So I'm surprised that he's not kind of been given more game time. and, And he's a midfielder that maybe we don't have in terms of obviously being a left footer coupled with the fact that he's very tall, he's quite physical. Um he's kind of like Mark O'Hara in that kind of um stature. But I think he's a far better player than, than Mark O'Hara was. Um but yeah I think in terms of holding midfielder, he could work quite well there. Um and I'm surprised he's not been given more game time by Fergie. Um, you know, especially he's come from a good good academy. He's had League One experience. Um so you'd think he'd be able to slot straight into into a midfield and, and be able to to be quite a good um, sort of foil for for Taylor and and whoever partners him.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Hamilton's a player I really like. It really yeah. frustrates me the characterisation of him that the BBC Cambridgeshire commentary team have of him. I don't know if they listen to this, but if if you do, stop calling them destroyer, because he's <laughs> he's so much more than that. He's got yeah. he's his. If you watch him, his ability to get his head up and pick a nice forward pass from deep positions is really good in serving so posh sometimes yeah. lack and from his one weakness for me is that he's oh it was at least at Southend and Bolton he likes to he likes to smash it from thirty yards over the bar rather than picking the pass. But when he's yeah. played for posh he's done that much less and his his usage of the ball in the final thirds thirds been really impressive and he's one I'd definitely be be looking to get in the team more often. Yeah. And, and as you say, the advantage of his height, his his mobility, his ability his ability to cover ground is is good. I can see why Fergie was potentially tempted to try him and Taylor on the sides of of a diamond, because yeah. people have said it doesn't suit the midfielders we've got. I think it. I think in theory it could do. Yeah. Perhaps not against Portsmouth, and perhaps not when you've only got. Well, you've you've played on the Wednesday, so you've only got two days to prepare it, and you're doing minimal yeah. work on the training ground. That seems crazy to me, but. I can see why he was tempted because I think Hamilton and Taylor had the characteristics to play that formation. Mm. But then one, the diamond's so difficult to execute because of the demands and the fullbacks and because of the demands of midfielders. When it's yeah. low on confidence and limited time to prepare, why would you do that when you know it can constrain them? And two, yes. first half we saw just because Taylor and and probably to a lesser extent, Hamilton had to do so much defensive work and cover so much ground. We just lost any attacking impetus through them. And yeah, I mean and-
1: do you think Hamilton was signed on the idea from Fergie that when we do switch to a diamond he would be able to play on that left hand side? I
0: so when when Posh made those sign ins, I thought Hamilton was signed as a backup to Taylor. Yeah. Because you can see his skill set being fairly closely linked to Taylor's, in that he can mm-hmm. pick up with the ball and drive from midfield, he can get around the pitch. He is busy in midfield. He brings you a bit of height and he's strong. And yeah. I sort of, I think all our recruitment was done for the back three. I, I, yeah. I, think we recruited primarily for that formation. I don't think we really recruit for the diamond. I could be wrong. I'm not in any of those meetings. None of us are. So, you, so you try and make sense of the logic behind, behind yeah. the yeah. side. Yeah, sure. Um, and I thought so. I thought it was very much Brown and Reed would be competing for one role when Reed came back into the side, in terms of that deeper line player and linking the ball at the back. And then Hamilton and Taylor would be competing for the box to box role, um, with Brown and Taylor first choice and Reed's and Hamilton understudy. That's that's how I saw it. Um, Again, I don't I don't know, but Hamilton is in his in his loan spells he's played as a six. He's played as an eight. He's played as a ten. He's even played left wing. So he's a very yeah. he's a very versatile player. And um, as we said, because of his skill set, is quite wide, and and that gives you that gives you good options, and and you can play him in, in many different roles.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you touched on it earlier in that this squad is very sort of lopsided in terms of having too many midfielders. So that's why I'm I'm surprised that Fergie's maybe not considered having three central midfielders. Um, in the system, so that he can utilise that and then get more attacking players on the bench, for instance. Um, and obviously having a natural left footer, I think, really does add something to a, a central midfield partnership. Because, you know, if you're heavily reliant on right footers who are going to be naturally splaying the ball to the right hand side, for instance, I think having a left footer that that can just balance that out um, and kind of even the distribution, for one of a better way of putting it, um, I think is is going to be really really important and and it could actually be re- really really helpful. So maybe that could be a positive of this is that Hamilton gets more game time um, in a centre midfield partnership, whether it's in a three, in a two, um, as you say, maybe even on the left wing. Um, it would be interesting to to see him get more game time because I think he could be a real asset if if they can work him into the team.
0: Yeah, I think um, the fourth B three is interesting because. I wrote an article last season saying that I thought the, fourth, the 4-3-3 had merits with posh's players yeah. at that time and I can see I can see the merits in it now. You've got an issue on the right wing and that you can play Carnu there but if you play Carnu there then the midfield three you're talking about you've then got Schmodix, Broom, Hamilton, Taylor, Reed yeah. and Brown all competing for three roles. So I think I personally would put Schmodix on the, on the right of that of the attack and then probably have Brown on the left, Hamilton centrally and, and Taylor on the right. Um, yeah. But if we were going to go down that route, realistically, Fergie's not going to play 4-3-3. Three, three. Like he's never played four no, three it's... three at Posh. It's not going to happen. It, if I were picking a team, I'd be playing my my midfield two, if we're playing with the wing backs, is going to be Hamilton and Taylor. And I've said this for a while now. And, and for me, it's yeah. about simplifying the instructions Hard-working midfielders, and and you've seen you've seen the benefits in the last two games of having hard-working midfielders. In the amount of ground Wimbledon's midfielders covered, and the amount of ground Portsmouth's midfielders covered, and at and at different times in those games, they did get on top of Posh in the midfield battle, and that becomes. Yeah. Uh, but if you have the the two in that, I think that becomes much harder. Playing more direct and and playing wide, the recruitment's interesting. How would you how would you rate Posh's recruitment? And now, more generally, the squad as a whole. Do you think there's any weaknesses in the squad? We've touched on a little bit already, and 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 how would you go about addressing those?
1: Okay, so recruitment to begin with this summer, I think it was fairly good. I'd say at least you know a solid eight out of ten. Um, I think, as we mentioned, Hamilton, I think, was a good signing considering his free transfer as well. You know his age, um, his pedigree. I think it, it makes sense. Um, Broom. Is probably the weak point I don't think he's so far turned up I don't think he's looked to be the player that maybe we thought we were signing but obviously he is being played slightly out of position in terms of being a wing back rather than you know maybe being a number 10 or a central midfielder um I think Clark Harris just slotted in perfectly well he was never going to be you know an Ivan Tony point two um, I think he he has come into the, into the side and, and done well. He has scored goals. He's maybe not the most mobile, but at the same time, he's a fairly good finisher, um, which is exactly what we've needed with the fact that, you know, we're losing so many goals from Tony uh, leaving. Um, I'm trying to think of other players that we signed. Smodic's coming back in. He's not hit form as yet, but I suspect eventually by the end of the season, you'd like to think he would have. Um I know a lot of people have kind of criticised him and said, well, you know, we thought we were signing Messi. Well, you know, when the player's done so well in that period of, of last season, I, I can understand why they'd want to bring him back in. I think he was really integral to how the system worked. Um, we find at the back, I think he kind of he formed a, a really, really good partnership with the front three. Um, I think he kind of, a lot of the time, sort of acted as a second striker almost. Um, So, yeah, recruitment-wise, I don't think it was too bad. I'd say at least a solid 7, 8 out of 10. Um, In terms of squad as a whole, I know we touched on it earlier in terms of outside of what would be the natural first eleven, We don't really have any players that would come in that are are kind of as equal quality, of of one of the better way of putting it. Um, I think the squad has been unlucky in terms of injuries because we've lost Ricky, who I think you know, a lot of people have touched on it, gives us such a different aspect coming off the bench or, or even starting. Um, but I don't think he'd end up as a as a striker in the system. I don't think he's going to be, be replacing uh, Clark Harris on that front. I think he'd end up um, maybe as a winger if if he was going to play games. Um, but it, yeah, like I said, it's a shame that he's not been able to, to get any game time as yet because of, of the injury that he's picked up. But I know he, he should be coming back in the next few weeks. So I suppose that's positive to look at um but uh, as we said earlier i think we may be banked on signing as many key first team players as we could do rather than you know signing players that could be you know coming off the bench and, and making an impact um and obviously with the wage cap that's maybe why we've we've kind of preferred to to not do that and and obviously have a lot of the youth products make up um the numbers on the bench um it's interesting you mentioned Idris earlier. I think I'm surprised he's not been given more game time as well. Um, you know, especially with the wing backs being out. Um, I'm surprised that Fergie's preferred Broom over Carnu because um, I think Kanu, he's got real real pace. I think he could be being you know a very very good right wing back or you know that, that actually is naturally a winger. So therefore, you're getting the benefit of that kind of like Joe Ward on that front. Um, but at the same time, I think we've we've not signed enough players in terms of covering positions, so obviously left wing back. I think we're kind of seeing the the issue of, of not getting the lad from Exeter with that, which is obviously, you know, the, the recruitment team realised that we needed a, another left back or, or left wing back for that that role. Um, I feel maybe we're very light on, on centre-backs, um, which is a slight worry um, in terms of Beavers, you know, is at an age where he is potentially going to be able to pick up more injuries. He's been out of form um, for the last few weeks. Obviously, Frankie, I'm a massive advocate of Frankie. I think he's a fantastic centre-back um, and I think he'll end up playing higher than than uh, League One. But I do think we need reinforcements at, at the back just to, you know, if a player is out of form, if he's had a bad game, um, just to be able to switch it around, especially with this season being so condensed and, and so many games. So, uh, yeah, and then obviously I think maybe we could do with another natural striker off of the bench, um, whether it be a loan, whether it be you know a, another young um, you know prodigy to, to come in, um, so I do think there are some gaps, um, whether or not we go back in for um, Williams from Exeter, I don't know. Um, I think that may be something that they might look into, um, but at, at the same time, it depends if we've got the finances and the funds to be able to do it. Really.
0: Yeah, I think um <laughs> you make some interesting points. I'll just touch on a couple of them. With Schmodicks, so yeah we spoke we spoke about how how he's not hit the heights this season and and I think we've got to appreciate his his role and how Posh using him has changed. So I think the yeah. Portsmouth game's a perfect example of this. So last season, when Posh played Portsmouth, Posh sent twenty two percent of their passes directly into directly long, most of those going into Tony. Yeah. And contesting for second balls, using his strength to build in the final third. And Schmodix's role was, as you say, very much running in behind. So maybe, you know, if Schmod- Tony might lay it off to someone who would then play in to Schmodix or Schmodix would be closing down the flick on and, and then building, building attacks from, from getting turnovers in yeah. that half. Yesterday, Posh played 9% of their passes long. So now you're looking at more building through midfield. And if he's playing that role at the tip of the diamond, you're more looking at Madison's role where you're, you're picking up spaces in between the lines, drifting, drifting into the channels and half spaces and, and looking to link play that way. Now, Schmodix is not that player.
1: That's what I was about to say when you, when you said Madison, because Madison had many, many issues for me, but at the same time, he was very good at finding space. He was very good at, at picking up the ball on the half turn. Um, and, and running at players, and and as you just said, Smodix definitely doesn't do that. And he, I'm not sure he's he is that player.
0: He's not that player. He's, he's a hard running, as you say, that the second striker or shadow striker role is what he is. He gets it. He runs in behind. He's pace, He's energy. He's not your link man from midfield to attack. So if you this is this is the frustrating thing for me. If you've got Clark Harris and you've got Schmodix, and you've almost bought these players to replicate last season's system. And then you're not replicating that system and yeah. and you and you're like, well, why is it not working? Well, because you're asking Smolik to drop deep and, and link play, and his passing range isn't there, his vision isn't there, he is best when he's got the ball, he's running, he's driving with it. The Clark the Clark Harris point is interesting about his mobility. I wrote a piece when Posh first signed him, comparing him to Tony, and basically the, the two biggest differences between Clark Harris and Tony for me were Clark Harris for shorts are his mobility and his in his creativity. In terms yeah. of his his, um, his ability to perhaps at times uh, create chances for for other players, and I think you're seeing that a little bit now, especially in terms of his mobility, holding holding Posh back a bit at times because that ball has to be a lot more precise into him right. than that ball had to be into Tony for Tony to make something of it, and we're even not hitting balls into him or we're not or we're not hitting him we're not hitting him at all. Um, yeah, yeah. The Jay Jones point's interesting in terms of, I don't think we should build him up too much. It seems yeah. to be often when players are injured, they get built up to be things that are not. I think we did it with Josh Knight last season, whereby it was when Knight comes back, everything's going to be okay. and Knight's a very yeah. good player, but he's not going to immediately transform your game. In the past, Posh did it with players like Lee Angol. When Angol was out, oh, we're struggling because we're not got to Angol. When he's out, he's going to be banging them in. I think Jay Jones' role currently at Posh is an impact sub. And, yeah. I, and, I, and probably he comes on is in that in that strike role next to Clark Harris and runs the channels and stretches play and gets runners in behind, which is something have really really missed because we've not been getting any yeah. runners in behind at all really, and I think there's a lot of a lot of reasons for that. Um, well, that was
1: what I was going to say with with Ricky is that I don't think you can you can start him in games simply because if you're a possession side, I don't think he's that player. You've naturally got to play to his strength, which is the fact that he's got pace. He's very good at running in behind. He's shown he's a reasonably good finisher at the same time. So I think in games where maybe we've not got as much possession, where we are maybe trying to play on the counter-attack, he's the player for that kind of game. But I think we we really need to work on him in terms of getting him into a play that could start, that is more than just a pacey player. And I think that, as, as you say, he probably is better suited as an impact sub at the moment. And I suspect um, maybe, maybe that's what they're going to work on him is is trying to turn him into more of a complete striker rather than, you know, just a, a pacey player that that's kind of an inverted winger slash striker.
0: Yeah, I think that's interesting with, with him because, as you say, for his age, composure and finishing at first-team level he's shown is really, really impressive. Pre-season, I thought we were working a lot on his technique and a lot on his play back yeah. to goal. And I think that's good in terms of making a more complete striker, my only concern with that is that we do to him what I think Posh have done to Moisa, whereby Moisa yeah. is the last man, shoulder of the last man, intelligent runner in behind, penalty box striker, and we spent so long trying to turn him into a back-to-goal league striker that we've completely lost sight of his strengths and probably limited his strengths in this Posh yeah. setup. So my concern about that with Jay Jones is finding you know that happy middle ground where you're playing to his strengths, and yeah. Posh shouldn't be a possession side. The more possession Posh have in a game, the worse they play. It's mm. posh, posh are at their best when they're transitioning quickly with the plays that they got Dembele, Schmodix running in behind, attacking spaces, getting the ball forward quickly, counter pressing. But Fergie seems to want to turn them into a more of a more of a possession based side, mm. and uh, part of the issue then becomes Beavers as well. In terms of yep. less so in a back three, but if you are playing a back four and you're trying to build out from the back and Beavers isn't in that left channel at the back, you're always gonna you're always gonna have issues doing that. So I think we should we should definitely get back to, as you say, play to the player strengths that you have. And and we've spoken a lot about how to do that. In in terms of recruitment, so I pre this isn't this isn't me after time in this. Pre season <laughs> I, I identified seven areas and I wrote a bit of a report and I didn't publish it because I didn't get it. I didn't I didn't complete it, but it was it was about 80% complete, but it was a yeah. lot more work than I thought it was going to be, to be honest. But I identified seven players Posh needed to sign. So mm-hmm. I said they need to sign a backup keeper, Dan Gele yeah. five tick. No issues there. I said three midfielders, with yeah. one specialist ten who can ideally play wide. And I think posh have signed two there in Schmodix and Broome. And um, yeah. and I, I think I said to you. I think Posh signed Broom, thinking they wouldn't get Schmidex back, and then when Schmodix became available, you signed up. You ended yeah. up signing two very similar players, and maybe disrupted the balance there. But then yeah. Posh Posh also signed Hamilton and Brown. So for me, the midfield largely was a tick, but probably got one too many player in there that's limited yeah. ability to to um, to build elsewhere. I said they need to sign two strikers, and I said sell Isa because Isa clearly was starting not to fit. And yeah. Clark Harris was one, but I think we needed a nervous striker in that mould because mm. you've, got, you've got your second striker in Dembele and Jay Jones. And so players who I identified, Colton Morris, who's now yeah. back at MK Don's, they got him on a free transfer. Age, s- skill, height, physicality, yeah. technique, links <laughs> play. Goal scoring a bit of an issue, but he's starting to add that to his game. Stephen Humphries, who went from South End to Rochdale, was available yeah. for a few hundred thousand. Um, George Hurst identified, but who's now unknown at Rotherham. But his profile rose after, because I was writing this in lockdown. It rose when he made into the Leicester team, so it probably wasn't attainable. And I said yeah. Kyle Wharton at, at County. I thought we needed one more strike in that that mould, and I think we've seen it in terms of even if Clark Harris, I think he's playing injured a lot of the time. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And if we had another player to take that burden off him, and then relying on a player with, with a non-perfect injury record to play. 46 games in the season and yeah. play week in, week out like Tony did was a big us. I said we needed a right wing back to as competition yeah. for Ward. Did we we're trying to use Broom in that role now? I don't think that's Broom's best role. and know he's been there before. Emmanuel, who ended up going to Hull, and Rand, uh, Randall Williams, who posh very nearly seemed to sign with the two players identified to play that role. Yeah. And obviously there was issues personally with, with Williams. Um but but um, maybe we could look, Posh might look at re, re-signing there. And you said left wing-back. I don't think it's left wing-back. For me, it was left centre-back. I don't yeah. think we have a natural left-sided centre-back to play that role. When you play Kent there, you lose a little bit from him in terms of driving into midfield. It's unfortunate that our best two defenders, their best role for me, Kent and B, uh, Kent and um, Thompson, is both right centre-back in a back three. And I thought we needed a left left centre-back. Somebody like Liam Kitching at Forest Green Rovers, Dan at yep. Leighton Orient, or Conor Ogilvy at Gillingham, all probably would have been signable. But I think Posh's biggest issue was they didn't act soon enough in the market. And you saw yeah. teams doing it in that you knew the you knew the um you knew the the wage cap was coming. And teams like Bolton, Blackpool, Mansfield signed their players early and got them in on bigger yep. wages to then bring it down to the average wage. Posh knew they were going to sell Tony, and it might have been a little bit of a risk, but I I'd, I'd imagine Clark Harris is probably on th- at least three times the average wage. So yeah. had they brought him in earlier, they could have then maybe built a slightly bigger squad and still been within the wage cap rules. So I think they had a slight tactical error there in terms of not doing the business early enough and getting players in on higher wages, but then that counted underneath the wage cap average. Yeah. Um would have perhaps created a slightly uh, broader and and better rounded squad. Um yeah. We spoke a, we spoke a lot about the game and, and recruitment. Let's look ahead to Rochdale. We'll we'll bypass the the midweek game. Let's look ahead to Rochdale. Um how do you see that game going and and what's your tactics what's your team to that
1: game? Um in terms of how do I see it going I suspect Fergie will set up as very Attacking as possible, um, simply because I know what we're like in terms of games where we really need a result. Um, we really need to turn it around. And against a side that's, you know, sort of struggling in the lower end of, of the division, you'd think he would go all out attack and, and go all guns blazing. So I hope he goes back to back five, whether or not he does. As you said, naturally, when we have a, a loss, he does tend to change the system around. Whether or not he does, I'm not sure. Um, If he does go at a back five, I think you've got to keep Hamilton in there, as we mentioned. Um, But then it's a question of who plays the wing-back roles. Again, as I mentioned earlier, I wouldn't have Broom as a wing-back. I just don't think he he suits it. Um, I would go with Canu or you could really go with Mason. But I think you you don't get as much um, attacking input as you would do normally with um, Joe Ward there. I suppose you've got to continue with Flazerbuck Tracy as as a wing back if you go at five at the back. But then that poses a problem as to who else comes in into that back three um, to kind of cover him moving out to to wing back. Um, I suppose Thompson would stay in, so that would kind of nullify that. Um, But yeah, that would be what I. If it were me, that would be what I would do. But I'm not sure Fergie will do the same. if we stay with the diamond, I can't really see him changing the players that played much at all. If I'm honest, um, I think potentially maybe it might be the time to take Sammy out. Just just put him on the bench just for now, just for a game, just to kind of maybe seek a reaction from him, um, maybe take the pressure off of him, and then you know bring him on 65, 70 minutes. And if we're chasing a goal, if we're ahead, I think it, it just you know it might spark a reaction from him and and that would be what i would do um i feel like we probably will get a result it wouldn't be too so unlike us to to end up you know winning 2 3 nil or something like that or, or just running away with it but at the same time in in this current run of form i'm i'm slightly fearful that it could be another game where we just don't turn up um but it is posh so you can never really tell one way or the other really no yeah i think
0: System wise, I wouldn't be surprised if he went to a four, two, three, one on the basis of the back threes not working, the diamond didn't work. Let's yes. put it the four, two, three, one. I've said I'd play I play with the wing backs and I'd simplify the messages. I think the biggest thing with watched is they they do go a little bit more Route One than they did when they were so wedded to playing out from the back when Posh beat them 6-0 last year. They've got yeah. Humphreys who's a good target man. I like him. He can he's technically good, he can link play. But they are still, they still like to build out from the back. So for me, I just want to see posh pressing. We've not yeah. seen it. We've hardly seen it at all this season. I'm not sure if part of the reason is Clark Harris's mobility, but he can press. He's he, he has shown that before at Rovers. You've still got Dembele and, and Schmodic, so you can do that. So let's get them pressing high, thirty minutes, that first thirty. Let's play direct. Let's put them under pressure. Let's let's play in their half rather than playing in Posh's half when Posh only had about twenty odd percent of the ball yeah. in, in Pompey's final third last last game and most of that final third play was Portsmouth in possession that was hardly ever played in that third of the pitch. Let's get the ball in that third as often as possible. Um and yeah the point the point on the fans, I'm not going to be in that that two thousand, but those who are in that two thousand, let's get behind the team. Yeah. Like, yeah. Pompey last last season were beaten at home they lost three games this season the fans made a huge difference to them the intensity and tempo they played at they responded to the fans if you're in the ground if you're part of those 2000s can you do the same for Posh can you drive that team on give them that extra impetus to press a little bit harder work a little bit harder and and come away with a win that that Posh desperately needs to start turning that season around
1: yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really interesting what you say about in terms of pressing because I think that kills so many birds with one stone, if you know what I mean, in terms of it gets us higher up the pitch for a start. It also means that we can play to our strengths, which as you have said, is is on the transition. And it also means that you know you can have the front three so much closer to goal, in which case that they can get shots off, they can play one another in, they can just be more creative. And I think that's, that's where we've shown that, that we are at our best. And obviously, getting the ball into Clark Harris further up the field where, you know, he's he's going to be able to be more mobile. He's, he's already proven he's a decent finisher. Um, I think it's just really, really important. Um, and it could be really, really key that that Fergie does do that. Whether the players have got the legs in them or not, I don't know. I suppose it depends whether they play in midweek or not. You know, how many of the first team play in midweek or not? Um, I don't know. But I just think, yeah, pressing is is a really important way for us to To go, Um, And obviously on your point in terms of the fans getting behind the players, I think nothing uh, annoys me more than when, you know, we go maybe a goal down and we're so empty, you know, every player that's on the pitch. And I just think, you know, it's going to be so counterproductive at the end of the day, at least, you know, give the players, you know, 45, 60 minutes before, you know, we get on their backs. I think it's, you know, when players are going through a difficult patch, the last thing they're going to want is, is the fans getting on their back because it just puts added pressure on them. And it means they're, they're even less likely to, to be able to turn it around. I think, you know, the more that we get behind the players, the more that we support them, you know, the more that we praise when they do things well, the more that, you know, we encourage them when maybe things aren't going well. I think, you know, it can only be a, a, a benefit for them, to be honest.
0: No, absolutely. And I think that's a really good point to, to wrap up and finish there. Um, thanks very much for coming on, Nathan. I hope, hope you enjoyed no the chat.
1: Oh, I loved it. Brilliant. I'd, I'd love to be back on when, uh, when uh, I'm able to.
0: Hopefully after after win next time, hey?
1: Yeah, let's hope so. Maybe we'll bring some luck, better luck than I did when I spoke to the Blackpool lads. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. And uh, thank you to everyone who listened at home.